To all my fellow ballers, welcome back to another episode of Balling with Tyler Todd. You, I am your host, Tyler Todd. And on this episode, we have strictly just baseball today because it's already, not already over, but it's over and I'm already missing it. Like, it's crazy that baseball goes on for so long as it does. You know, starts in March, ends in, and ended in November this year. It's almost a full rotational year of one sport. Pretty incredible. But now that it's over... Already having some withdrawals. Really wish it was still going on because don't uh, I don't know. Don't really not really caring for a lot of basketball this year. My Chargers are actually five and three, which is awesome. They're trying to fix some stuff on the run defense and you know a million other things. What's not wrong with the Chargers? And then also I forgot hockey has started. So if you haven't done any hockey, oh, hockey, yes, hockey, hockey watching, make sure to do that because one team got inducted into the NHL this year, the Seattle Kraken, which is really awesome. So yeah, you should be stoked about that as as am I. But for this episode, like I said, we're sticking to just baseball. And this is a big one. Since we are heading into the offseason, here are MOB's top 20 trade candidates heading into this offseason, ranked in order of how likely they are to be moved and how attractive they are to potential trade suitors. So it's going to be a long one because there's a lot of guys and there's a lot of stuff to cover. Okay, so just bear with me. So first player on the list is Cattell Marte of the Arizona Diamondbacks. Honestly, utility guy. I, you can't even say a position for him. It's just insane. But 2021 stats, a batting average of 318, 52 runs, 14 home runs, 50 RBIs, and two stolen bases. You know what? He was actually really hurt for most of the year, which was kind of a bummer. After losing 110 games this season and 35 games during the shortened 60-game season a year ago, nothing can be off the table for the D-backs, who don't exactly seem poised for a quick turnaround in the rugged NL West. Marte is one of the most valuable trade commodities in the game, given his play and affordable contract. This is as team-friendly as it gets. This is a breakdown of how much money he's making and so forth. So 2022, he's set to make $8 million. 2023, a $10 million club option with a $1 million buyout. In 2024, a $12 million club option with a $1.5 million buyout. So that is at most $30 million for Marte's age 28 through 30 seasons. An absolute steal. Also, Marte can play center field or second base, though hamstring trouble led the D-backs to playing him more at second down the stretch. Playing the infield might be the best way to keep Marte on the field going forward. Either way, he's in his prime and capable of playing a premium position. The D-backs resisted trading Marte at the deadline, though it has been a few months since then, and with more time to evaluate the roster and the uphill climb they face in the division, the club may consider putting him on the market this offseason. If nothing else, there's no harm in listening, and I'm certain more a few contenders would come calling with big prospect offers. Possible trade suitors for every guy. That will be that will be broken down for all 20 guys, but for specifically Marte, the Astros, Blue Jays, Dodgers, Giants, Mariners, Mets, Phillies, Red Sox, Rays, and Yankees just for starters. Given his contract and versatility, it's easy to see Marte as a fit for just about any team, contender, or rebuilder. That said, how a team views his ability to play center field may impact trade offers. Some clubs have a greater need than, they're, than they have at second. So, yeah, he's... He's very underrated, man. I think he's one of the better utility guys we have in the league, and obviously that's very appreciated nowadays in MLB. They want guys that can do a lot of stuff, so he brings a lot to the table for sure. Next on the list at two is Tyler Glasnow, starting pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays, an ERA of 2.66, 
a whip of 0.93, 88 innings pitched, 27 walks, and 123 strikeouts. So the Rays are in a tricky spot with Glasnow this season. He has pitched at an ace level since joining Tampa, but has not shown ace level durability since opening day 2019. He ranks 118th in starts at 37 and 121st in innings at 206. Hey, I even thought that was low seeing he only pitched 88 innings. That's pretty gnarly. Consider the following. Glasnow had Tommy John surgery in August and is likely to miss the entire 2022 season. He has two more seasons of team control remaining, so you'll have him when he returns in 2023. Glasnow is projected to roughly to make roughly $6 million through arbitration through arbitration in 2022. Glasnow is at the point now where the Rays usually trade their top players, right? He's nearing free agency and making decent money, so even if you were perfectly healthy, we'd probably hear his name in trade rumors this offseason. Now, Glasnow is hurt, though, and are the Rays really going to commit $6 million or so to a rehabbing player in 2022? It seems very unlikely. So, the Rays will put Glasnow on the trade market, and they'll have to sell teams on the idea of giving up a good prospect package for a pitcher who won't help them in 2022. He's essentially a one-year buy, except you have to pay him two years' worth of salary and give up prospects to get him. Glasnow is good enough that he'll be in demand, though his trade value is complicated. Potential trade suitors for him, the Angels, Astros, Dodgers, Giants, the Mets, and the Twins. If the Rays are willing to trade Glasnow within the division, I'm sure the Blue Jays, Red Sox, and Yankees would all get involved as well. He's very good. And yes, obviously, he had the Tommy John surgery, and that was obviously subject to what had happened earlier in the year with the MLB enforcing the rule of guys not being able to use the sticky stuff on balls. And obviously, Glasnow was even public with saying I, he used sunscreen on the ball for grip, and that he thinks that was the reason why he did hurt his elbow because he said, I think if I remember, I even talked about it on the show, like I'm paraphrasing this, but I think he said that like, he never used muscles in his forearm that he thought existed before and he had to grip the ball so tight and like blew his arm out and it was super sore after one game so it's a bummer he's gonna be out for a full season but he definitely is very that's the thing is you'd have to kind of be you'd have to entice a ball club to come after and get him because who wants no one wants to pay six million for a guy that's not playing so yeah tough task ahead for him next on the list Next on the list at three is Wilson Contreras, catcher for the Cubs. A batting average of 237, 61 runs this year, 21 home runs, 57 RBIs, and five stolen bases. The Cubs threw in the towel and sold at the deadline, shipping out franchise stalwarts Javier Baez, Chris Bryant, and Anthony Rizzo as they approach free agency. The Cubs lost 91 games in 2021, and while the NL Central is hardly a powerhouse division, Chicago appears to be a few years away from returning to serious contention. A massive offseason spending spree could change things, though that seems unlikely at this point. Given their current state, the Cubs would be foolish not to gauge the market for Contreras. This offseason's free agent catching class is very weak. Brewers backup Manny Pena might be the best free agent catcher, and that works in Chicago's favor. Quality catching is always in demand, and while Contreras doesn't always shine defensively, he is one of the best hitting catchers in the sport. Even with only one year of control, he would be in very high demand. Possible trade suitors for him, Mariners, Marlins, and Yankees, possibly Cleveland as well, though taking on money is not usually their thing, and Contreras is projected to make roughly $9 million through arbitration. Through arbitration. Arbitration. Okay, thank you. In 2022. Jeez. Yes, one of the very talented catchers in this league. It'd be, it'd be cool to see him go somewhere different and 
just see him start somewhere new because all the guys that he came up with who mentioned earlier, Baez, Bryant, Rizzo are all gone. So it'd be cool to – he's like the youngest of the three, so it'd be cool to see him, you know, go out and actually make something happen. So hopefully he's able to. Next on the list, four and five teammates, Matt Olson and Matt Chapman of the Oakland Athletics. Matt Olson plays first base and second base, and Matt Chapman plays third, who actually just won a gold glove this year, which is pretty incredible. But for Matt Olson, see, uh, season stats for 2021, a batting average of 271, 101 runs, 39 homers, 111 RBIs, and four stolen bases. Pretty monster season from him. And Matt Chapman, who, like I said, plays third base, a batting average of 210, 75 runs, 27 home runs, 72 RBIs, and three stolen bases. Here we go. So the offseason cost-cutting has already begun in Oakland. Manager Bob Melvin was allowed to leave to join the Padres despite being under contract. Yeah, baby. The A's didn't even receive any compensation for letting Melvin out of his contract, and he will undoubtedly be replaced by a cheaper manager, perhaps third-base coach Mark Katze, who's been viewed as a future manager for years. Oakland has a long history of trading their best players as they start to get expensive through arbitration, and the mats are both at that point now. They're both two years away from free agency, and Olsen is projected to make $12 million through arbitration in 2022. Chapman is a bit behind him at $9 million or so projected. Those are pricey salaries for the budget-conscious athletics. Chapman had a down 2021 season, relatively speaking, though he remains a power threat and elite defender at the hot corner. Olsen drastically cut down on his strikeouts this year and moved himself into the upper echelon of MLB hitters. He's also a gold glove defender, albeit at the least premium position. Still, he has big value, and the A's appear motivated to cut salary. Possible trade suitors for them, Blue Jays, Nationals, and Phillies for Chapman. Also makes sense for the Brewers, Red Sox, Yankees, and maybe even the Dodgers should the National League adopt the universal DH. If the A's do indeed prioritize cutting payroll this offseason, righties Chris Bassett and Frankie Montez will be in demand. Ditto lefty Sean Manea. Same thing for them. I think they're both very good. It'd be it would be cool to see them stay, obviously, because they've been some of the franchise cornerstone pieces for for the Oakland a- Athletics. But like previously mentioned, their budget they don't spend a lot. So and they just lost Bob Melvin, who was very conscious of spending. So who knows what kind of approach they take now? With maybe possibly they maybe go a new route. Maybe they get maybe the manager they get. I don't know. They said Katze, but if not Katze, maybe they get someone else, and maybe they actually start spending more to get more pe- the guys come to the ball club. So who knows? It's kind of up in there at the moment. Next players on our list at 6-7, and seven, Josh Donaldson and Byron Buxton of the Minnesota Twins. Josh Donaldson, third baseman, batting average in 2021, or stats for 2021, excuse me, a 247 average, 73 runs, 26 home runs, 72 RBIs, and no stolen bases. Byron Buxton, who plays center field, a 306 batting average, 50 runs, 19 home runs, 32 RBIs, and 9 stolen bases. One of the freaking fastest guys in the league. Buxton is so nasty in center field. Anything that could go wrong did go wrong for the Twins this past season, and it prompted them to trade Nelson Cruz and Jose Barrios at the deadline. Trading Barrios weakened the 2022 team, as did losing ace Kenta Maeda to Tommy John surgery late in the season. Who will pitch for Minnesota next season? That question is up in the air. The Twins reportedly shopped Buxton and Donaldson at the trade deadline, so it stands to reason they'll push them both in trades again this offseason. At the very least, they'll listen. Buxton is projected to make about $7 million through arbitration in 2022, his final year of team control. His injury history drags down his value, though he's an impact player at a premium position when healthy. Donaldson turns 35 in December and is owed 
50 million from 2022 to 23 and that includes the buyout of his 2024 club option and that will be a tough sell given his injury history the twins may have to kick in money or take money back in a trade to move donaldson trading buxton would be about adding prospects and talent trading donaldson would be more about clearing payroll possible trade suitors blue jays nationals and phillies for donaldson whose market would grow with the expected adoption of the universal dh as for buxton the Astros, Giants, Phillies, and Yankees immediately jump to mind as potential landing spots. Then again, you can't rule out any contender when it comes to a player of Buxton's caliber. He make, he'd make any team better, and that's facts. Next on the list is Kevin Kiermeyer, eighth on the list, center fielder for the Tampa Bay Rays. His 2021 stats, a 259 average, 54 runs scored, four home runs, 37 RBIs, and nine stolen bases. Kiermaier pops up in trade rumors every offseason, and the Rays always keep him because they value his defense so highly. At the same time, Kiermaier has been a below-average hitter throughout his career, and he's played only 591 of 870 possible games since 2016, or 68% for all you number people. The offense, injury history, and climbing salaries have limited his trade value. Next season is the final guaranteed season on Kiermaier's contract. He'll make $12 million in 2022, with a $13 million club option for 2023, which is awfully pricey for the Rays, especially when they have a similar defensive stud ready to take over center field and Brett Phillips, not to mention top prospect Vidal Brujan. Moving Kiermaier now in a cost-cutting move would be very Tampa-like. It helps the Rays that the free agent center field market behind Starling Marte is not great this offseason. Miss out on Marte, and your best option is Mark Canna, <laughs> Mark Canna from Oakland. We've been waiting a few years now for the Rays to trade Kiermaier. With this contract set to expire next offseason and Tampa having a bevy of in-house replacements, the time seems right for a deal. Possible trade suitors, Astros, Giants, and Phillies. It seems like they're the most popular teams out of all the ones that are picking for the suitors. The Yankees reportedly asked about Kiermaier at the trade deadline, and perhaps their interest could be rekindled this winter, though I'd bet against the two Ailey's rivals hooking up for a significant trade. Yes, that's true, because they hate each other. <laughs> next on the list, at the ninth spot, Jose Ramirez, Cleveland third baseman. A batting average of 266, 111 runs, 36 home runs, 103 RBIs, and 27 stolen bases. Dude, that is a monster season, and that dude is nowhere in the conversation for anything. That is an insane season from him. Last winter, Cleveland reached a point of no return with Francisco Lindor. He was one season away from free agency, so they either could trade their franchise player for as much as possible before opening day, trade him for less of the deadline, or let him walk as a free agent after the season and take the dinky compensation draft pick. Obviously, they chose door number one. Trade Ramirez now, and the team will get more than they would if they trade him next offseason when they would get more than they would if they trade him at the 2023 deadline. Cleveland has traded away other key players with multiple years of team control, Trevor Bauer, Mike Clevenger, etc. So doing the same with Ramirez would not be unprecedented. No, the, Cle the Cleveland do not want to trade Ramirez, and they shouldn't. They are also unrelentingly pragmatic, and no trading him is their best chance to add cheap young talent to the organization following an 80-82 and 82 season. Cleveland is in the driver's seat because they don't have to trade Ramirez, though I imagine they will get some awfully tempting offers this winter possible trade suitors for him blue jays mariners nationals almost every team except the very deep rebuilders Orioles, pirates etc really it would be easy to justify bringing in ramirez 
even if you look like nothing more than a postseason bubble team heading into 2022. In fact, it would be easier, easiest for a bubble team to justify bringing him in because Ramirez could put them over the top. Yes, that is facts. He's nasty, bro. He's such a good third baseman. Very underrated. Next on the list at 10 is closer or relief pitcher Josh Hader for the Milwaukee Brewers. Stats this year, an ERA of 1.23, a whip of 0.84, innings pitched, 24 walks, and 102 strikeouts. Hader pops up on trade candidates list every year, <clears throat> yet he's still with the Brewers. That said, he's not only two years away from free agency, and he's projected to earn approximately $10 million through arbitration in 2022. As good as Hader is, that's pricey for a team that seems to drum up great relievers at will. After struggling a bit during the shortened 60-game 2020 season, Hader just had his best year ever, and the postseason again showed the importance of a powerful and deep bullpen. Elite relievers no longer net franchise-altering trade packages, though Hader is so good and under control long enough that he would net the Brewers a significant return. He may actually go this winter. Possible trade suitors for him. Every contender, basically, though the big market contenders make more sense given Hader's projected salary. The Angels, Dodgers, Giants, Mets, Phillies, Red Sox, White Sox, and Yankees could all get involved. Next on the list at 11 and 12, two of my boys from San Diego, right fielder Will Myers and first baseman Eric Hosmer. Will Myers, a batting average of 256, 56 runs scored, 17 home runs, 63 RBIs, and 8 stolen bases. And Eric Hosmer, first baseman, a batting average of 269, 53 runs scored, 12 home runs, 65 RBIs, and 5 stolen bases. In an effort to clear payroll at the deadline, the Padres were said to be willing to attach a top prospect, reportedly outfielder Robert Hassel, to Hosmer to unload his contract. Myers has been mentioned as a salary dump candidate multiple times over the years, and I assume San Diego would be willing to attach a prospect to him as well. The contracts are ugly. Hosmer, $20 million in 2022, plus $13 million per year from 23 to 25. Myers, $20 million in 2022, plus $1 million buyout of $20 million club option for 2024. That's four years and $59 million for Hosmer, but only one year and $21 million for Myers. That makes Myers more likely to be traded, though absorbing Hosmer's contract has a better chance to land you a premier prospect like Hayes Hassel, Robert Hassel, or C.J. Abrams. Either way, the Padres already have over $200 million on the books next year when you include project, projected arbitration salaries, which equals motivation to move Myers and or Hosmer. Possible trade suitors for them, Rangers, Tigers, maybe the Orioles. Hosmer and Myers represent an opportunity for a rebuilding team to essentially buy a top prospect, take on their contract, add that high-end talent to your pipeline, and then figure, excuse me, and then figure out how they fit on your roster. Heck. Why not take on Myers' contract to get a prospect, then eat his entire salary and flip him somewhere else for more prospects? Seems doable. All it takes is an owner willing to spend a little cash. The injury-prone Drew Pomerantz has two years and $16 million remaining on his contract. He could be another San Diego salary dump candidate. Yeah, those guys are eating up all of our money and they don't do anything, all three of them. So I'm a huge Will, My I'm a huge Will Myers fan. Will rocks, and I've always liked him since he showed up. I was a huge fan of Eric Hosmer when we first got him. When we signed him that one year in free agency, oh my gosh, he's going to help us turn the franchise around. He's done absolutely nothing. He's been terrible. Every year he's been in San Diego, he's been horrible. 
Will Myers, I have respected because he's been with the team the longest out of the active guys now on the roster. All-star guy, class act, super chill. Like, I feel like hanging out with him would be a blast. And I want him to get a ring more so than I want Hosmer because Hosmer already has one, and I don't care about Hosmer. Will, Meyer, Will Myers has been on the Padres since like 2012 or 13 and been on some awful San Diego teams. So even though both moves seem enticing to let Hosmer and Myers go, I want Hosmer gone. That's just my own take. <laughs> Next on the list at 13 is Paul DeYoung of the Cardinals. Shortstop. A batting average of 197, 44 runs, 19 home runs, 45 RBIs, and four stolen bases. Just an awful year from him. Wild card game blunders aside, Edmundo Sosa took over as a shortstop of the present for the Cardinals down the stretch, making DeJong expendable. His bat has gone backwards the last few years, though he still has power and remains an above-average defender at a premium position. Also, DeJong has an affordable contract, one that includes $15 million in guaranteed money from 22 to 23, with club options for 24 at $12.5 million and 2025, $15 million. Any team that believes they can get his bat back to its pre-2020 form undoubtedly views DeJong as a great buy-low opportunity. Possible trade suitors, Angels, Astros, Phillies, Nationals, Tigers, Twins, Yankees. Houston might be the only team that could lose a big-name shortstop this offseason and need to find a replacement. <clears throat> Carlos Correa talking about you. The Dodgers have Trey Turner to replace Corey Seager. The Rockies have Brendan Rodgers to replace Trevor Story, and neither Javier Baez nor Marcus Simeon was playing shortstop for the previous team, the Mets and Blue Jays, respectively. That said, shortstops are always in demand. There will be a market for DeJong, just who's willing to take on what he's got going on. Next on the list, Craig Kimbrell, reliever for the White Sox, an ERA of 2.26, a whip of 0.91, 59.5 innings pitched, 23 walks, and 100 strikeouts. For whatever reason... Things didn't work out for Kimbrell on Chicago's south side as he gave up seven more runs with the White Sox than he did with the Cubs despite throwing 13 and two and a half thirds inning, fewer innings, excuse me. The White Sox hold a $16 million club option. They could pay the $1 million buyout and make a clean break, but that seems unwise. Kimbrell still has trade value even at the salary and even after struggling down the stretch. The trade was worth a shot for the, for the Chicago White Sox, though it didn't work out as hoped. And now a change of scenario seems best for both the team and Kimbrell. Possible trade suitors, the Blue Jays, Padres, and Phillies. Kimbrell's market is teams that want to contend in 2022 and have both deep pockets and a clear opening in the ninth inning. Next on the list, I mean, before I actually go back, before I move on to the next person on the list, Kimbrell used to be a Padres, so it'd be cool to see a little reunion if he came back. Now moving on. At 15, catcher Carson Kelly for the Arizona Diamondbacks. A batting average of 240 this year. 41 runs scored, 13 home runs, 46 RBIs, and no stolen bases. As noted earlier, nothing should be off the table for the D-backs this offseason, and the free agent catching market is extremely thin. Kelly has been quite productive, more so at the plate than behind it, though his glove is solid. In non-pandemic shortened seasons, and he comes with three years of affordable team control. Dalton Varsho had a breakout second half and is ready to step in as the everyday catcher giving Arizona a chance to turn Kelly into prospects in an offseason short on quality catchers. So for him, possible trade suitors, Cubs, Mariners, Marlins, Rays, Yankees. Really, with the dearth of quality catchers around the league and Kelly having three years of control, every team in the league figures to check in on him. And then, you know what? They should. He's actually not that bad. 
Next on the list at 16 is Sonny Gray, starting pitcher for the Cincinnati Reds. An ERA of 4.19, a whip of 1.22, 135 and a half innings pitched, 50 walks allowed, and 155 strikeouts. The Reds reportedly dangled Gray last offseason in a hey, why not? Let's see what's out there kind of way. And I'm sure they'll do the same this offseason. There's no harm in listening after all. Gray is one year closer to free agency, and he's now into the more expensive years of his contract. Expensive is a relative term, however, because $10 million in 2022 with the $12 million club option for 2023 is quite affordable. Cincinnati has been overly stingy with payroll in recent years, trading Gray for younger, cheaper players, and then reallocating his money that would have had gone to the salary could be in the cards. Possible trade suitors. Angels, Astros, Braves, Cardinals, Dodgers, Giants, Mariners, Padres. You don't have to try too hard to see Gray fitting with just about any team given his performance and reasonable contract, except the Yankees. They're not going there again. Next on the list at 17 is Brian Reynolds. We got a couple more getting down on the list. Center fielder for the Pittsburgh Pirates, a 302 batting average, 93 runs scored, 24 home runs, 90 RBIs, and five stolen bases. Dude needs to get out of Pittsburgh because he needs to be a part of their rebuild, like him leaving, but like Pittsburgh gets a ton in return for him because that, that franchise is going nowhere. Based on talent and trade value, Reynolds would rank near the top on this list. I'm just not sold on the Pirates actually trading him this offseason. They'll listen, absolutely, but the asking price was reportedly through the roof at the trade deadline. Pittsburgh is said to have asked the Mariners for a package led by top prospect Julio Rodriguez, for example. The Pirates are rebuilding. And Reynolds is their very best trade chip. So we must mention him here. I just think he's less likely to be traded than some other top players on rebuilding teams, seeing how he's a 26-year-old all-star who can't become a free agent until 2025. This all applies to O's center fielder, Cedric Mullins, as well. Possible trade suitors for Reynolds is the Astros, Braves, Giants and the Yankees. Any team, really. It seems like really any team can make a run for these guys. But Reynolds is a legitimate all-star caliber player. And he is. That season is incredible he just had this year. With a lot of team control years remaining on him, which is good. He's one of the most valuable trade commodities in the sport. Dude, I shit, I'd love to have him on the Padres, man. That'd be killer. Even though we have Trent Gershman in right field. Dump Myers' contract and put this guy in right field. Let's go. <laughs> Next on the list at 18, right fielder Garrett Cooper of the Miami Marlins. A 284 batting average, 30 runs, 9 home runs, 33 RBIs, and 1 stolen base. <clears throat> Very quietly, Cooper has been one of the most productive hitters in the game the last three seasons, and he's adapted well to right field after coming up to the minors as a first baseman. Also, he's an exit velocity monster who checks all the analytical boxes. Cooper is a sneaky good player who was in demand last offseason and at the trade deadline this summer. The production and the underlying data make him a valuable trade chip, and the two remaining years of team control perfectly thread the needle between desirable to potential suitors and probably won't be around long enough to be a part of the next great Marlins team, increasing the chances of a trade. Possible trade suitors for him, the Brewers, Guardians, that's Cleveland's new team now, the Mariners, Rays, and the Red Sox. The Universal DH coming to the National League would open up a few more trade possibilities trade possibilities as well and the last two guys on the list for the baltimore orioles is cole sulcer who is a relief pitcher and tanner scott who is also a relief pitcher so cole sulcer stats a 2.70 era a 1.12 whip 
60, 63.1 innings pitched, 23 walks allowed, and 73 strikeouts. Tanner Scott, on the other hand, way worse than, way, 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 way worse than Cole. A 5.17 ERA, 1.57 whip, 54 innings pitched, 37 walks allowed, and 70 strikeouts. The Orioles are four years into their scorched earth rebuild, and we're kind of, sort of, maybe possibly starting to see the makings of the next contending O's team. Cedric Mullins is the centerpiece, and others like Austin Hayes, Trey Mancini, and John Means can be a part of the picture as well. That said, the last thing a bad team needs is good relievers, so Solcer and Scott figured to be available this offseason. Solcer has four years of team control remaining and can handle high leverage work. Scott is a lefty who throws in the upper 90s, and those guys are always in demand. He has three years of control remaining. These two are obvious offseason trade candidates. And for speaking of being traded, literally every team could be suitors for them. Solcer and Scott are inexpensive relievers and each have at least three more years of team control remaining. Contenders can bring them in to help win now and rebuilders can bring them in to help win later. These two will generate plenty of trade interest this winter. And that is it, folks. The top 20 players or top 20 potential trade candidates that could happen this offseason. And honestly, it actually would be really, really dope to see some of these actually pan out. Like the Padres getting rid of Hosmer. That would be sweet. Or Cattell Marte going somewhere rad and, you know, actually going to contender and seeing his talents actually not get wasted. Because there's a lot of guys in this list, too, that like I would like to see go places like Marte, Buxton, Matt Olson. It would be really cool to see those guys actually go somewhere and make something happen. And same with Wilson Contreras, the youngest guy of that all of all those big Cub free agency guys that got bounced at the deadline. Get him somewhere new and just let him shine, for real. Let him do his thing. Let him just do his thing. Wilson Contreras is a beast. But anyway, that is all. Like I said, just all baseball today. Thank you for once again checking into the podcast. Follow me on Instagram at Tyler T. Robinson. Support the podcast, obviously, on Spotify. Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Breaker, all at the same name, Balling with Tyler Todd. Same thing Same thing with my Instagram. I said Tyler T. Robinson. That's my that's my basic one. That's my public one. But the Balling with Tyler Todd is the name of my Instagram. That's my podcast uh, Instagram. But I would say I would see you guys on Friday at 5 p.m. for episode 78 at 5 p.m. But I will be in Arizona due to a job fair conference type deal trying to, you know, break my way into the big boy world. So, I'm leaving that day or I'm leaving the day before and I don't have any of my gear with me. So unfortunately I will not be able to, I'll not be able to do a podcast, but after that, I will be back that next Tuesday. I don't know the date specifically. Today's the eighth. So uh, what is it? No, excuse me. Today's the ninth. Uh, I don't know what the date is, but I will see you next Tuesday. Unfortunately, not Friday, but next Tuesday. Thank you for, thank you for your time and understanding. I will catch you all on that Tuesday. Later. Peace out.